Welcome to Kafaru Cast, everyone. Uh, I'm riding solo today. Frank the Tank is with his girlfriend in Estes Park because uh, he doesn't want to get divorced before he gets married, and I'm taking on a bunch of hunts during Christmas. Uh, but today, I've got a super cool guest uh, down from Alaska. He's been uh, guiding up there for a long time. Um, Dennis, why don't you tell everybody about yourself a little bit, and thanks for coming on. Okay, well, thank you. Um, yeah, my name is Dennis Adra. Um, I operate Lonesome Dove Outfitters out of Cordova, Alaska. Um, been doing that since 1996. And um, yeah, it's been a heck of a roller coaster ride. We <laughs> hunt mountain goats and brown bears primarily, um, a little bit of moose, some black tailed deer, black bears. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a spectacular place to be and a, a wonderful thing to do. Now, we had Jake Downs on recently, and uh, we haven't published that one yet. I think it's coming out next week. But Jake hunted with you guys last year and killed an amazing goat with his recurve. He did. Yeah, no, Jake. And Jake has the what it takes to make it happen with the bow. And, um, yeah, got him in a good spot. I think they put stocks on maybe four goats before he got the one that he got. But, uh, um, yeah, that everything fell into place really good for him. Yeah, and that'll be good because that'll come out right before this one just because he talks about that goat hunt a little bit and how much fun he had. And so you, uh, with, you've been owned, you've owned Lonesome Dove since 96. Have you, um, was it smooth from the beginning till now or was there some bumps along the way? I mean, I have a lot of friends that are guides and outfitters, so I'm curious for you in Alaska. Um, of course, there's always, uh, ups and downs with it. Um, initially he got started, got into a three-way partnership with, um, two other guys and we were gonna, you know, light the world on fire with that. And of course everything sort of did fall apart. And, um, thankfully I kept the business and kept going, but, uh, and for years then I ran it just solely myself, just guiding the hunters and the clients that I could personally guide. But it got to the point where, you know, it's, there was really no money in it for me. By the time you cover everything that, you know, all your expenses with just one client at a time, it couldn't make it happen. So, um, I've been, I've got a great crew of assistant guides and packers and all that that work for me now. And, and I do guide hunts uh, periodically myself, but I'm primarily the, the guy in the background taking care of the logistics. Now you, you, you look pretty dang fit. How old are you now? I'm 54 years 54. old. 54. Okay. So how, how big's your crew? How many um, guides and assistant guides do you guys have on? I mean, on average year to year? Um, at, at, at any one time, maybe three guides and packers. I have about probably six different guides and packers that I can pick from. But, uh, you know, most of my guys, they're married, they got regular jobs. And so they, they come over and they'll be able to guide two hunts and, and then they got to go back home. And so I just kind of switch them out. Um, but it works out really well. It's a, you know, it's a fun working vacation for them. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it keeps them, busy at the time that they want to be and um but at the same time they're not committed to be gone for six weeks or anything like that and and away from their family for that long no for sure so with um you guys produce some from some i'm kind of a goat guy i love goat hunting and you guys produce some pretty dang big goats down in that area i don't know about moose and bear and everything else but what uh what's the biggest goat you guys have taken since you've been up there you know, I think the biggest one was uh, a Boone and Crockett score of 52 or maybe just under 52. Um, but I think over the years we've put a dozen a dozen goats in a Boone and Crockett and we've had a lot of archers that come up and, um, you know, granted it's it's a tough thing. So it's, if you kill a, a, a decent billy with a bow, it's probably going to make Pope and Young. And we've put, I, I couldn't tell you how many goats uh, in Pope and Young. Gotcha. Now, terrain-wise, um, you know, because I, I got a hold of you, obviously, because I'm going to book a hunt with you. Um, your social media guy, chit-chatting with him, um, I don't know if he's trying to scare me or what, but the terrain is fairly <laughs> rugged. I've, ne I've never messed around. You're in the Chugach range. Um, what, a lot of stinging nettle and Devil's Club in the first uh, beginning of the hike like it is in western Washington and then uh, just climbing from there. What's, is it? How bad is the terrain where you guys are at for, for goat? 
You know, it's it's tough, but it's not that bad. It's not nearly as bad as, you know, when I was guiding sheep hunters, you know, you would cover so much more country in sheep country. Um, we, have, we wear crampons and we have climbing axes and all that. We don't wear them all the time. But, you know, the, the advantage we have is we've figured out our areas and – you know, we we fly into a spot, we set up a base camp, um, and that's comfortable. You got a cot, you got a lantern, and then you you take off and go up the mountain with your with your backpack and your uh, spike camp. Um, but we've got the routes picked out. And initially, was your was you're sitting in base camp, looking up there, you like, how in the world are we going to get up that mountain? And uh, you know, you kind of pick your way around it and and go up, and it's it is it it's tough. You know, there's it's steep. There's a lot of brush, but you know, we generally have got the trail somewhat brushed out, so you don't have to fight with that. But the advantage is you get up there, and then you set up your spike camp, and you've only done that once, and then you you camp out and you hunt your goat from the alpine, and you don't have to do this up and down every day. Um, a lot of guys doing these hunts are doing them from boats, which is nice and comfortable, and you cruise around and you see your goat, but you got to go up that mountain, and then you got to get on that goat, you got to get on him early enough and get him killed so you're not coming down out of that stuff in the dark. And, uh, you know, it's just after three days of that, you know, guys are, are whooped. So uh, the spike camp option is definitely the way to go. What, um, what would you say – Obviously, you may not be able to fit all this in one summary, but it's been the biggest issue with clients maybe, well, one, just getting their ass kicked, but two, not being successful or whatever it is, um, you know, since you started. Is it fitness prep or just mental toughness or a little of everything? It It's two things, fitness and shooting ability. Um and I, you know, on my webpage, I kind of preach about this stuff. But um, those are the two things that you have 100% control over and that will determine the outcome of your hunt more than anything else. And, uh, you know, but unfortunately, it seems like they get neglected more and more. And, uh, you know, it's just the guys, they sort of think they're training and getting ready for it. And again, you don't have to be in shape and, you know, ready to run the New York marathon or anything like that, but you have got to do something. You have got to train. You've got to be able to put on a pack and hike for five miles and, and get through that. And it's amazing the guys that don't even get to that level of it. Yeah. How, um, on, uh, Shooting wise, now do you, is that across the board? You've got guys winging bullets, arrows, and everything else, or do you have more trouble with uh, rifle hunters or archers, or is it just kind of a pain all the way around? You know, it's it's mostly mostly the rifle hunters, you know, um, and a lot of it is more with the bears. You know, a guy's going to come and hunt a bear, and so he's going to go buy a a three seventy five or a four sixteen, you know, so he's got a big bear gun, but you know, it, he shoots it and it kicks him and he doesn't shoot it very much and it's sighted in off the bench, but he's, he's just, he's afraid of it and he doesn't do, uh, you know, he's just not used to shooting the gun. And, you know, I say, what, what should I bring? And I said, I always tell the guy, bring up the biggest caliber that you can shoot well. Um, but a bear shot in the guts with a three seventy five is going to go a lot further than one shot in the lungs with a thirty out six. So, you know, just make sure whatever you bring up, you're, you're comfortable with. Um, but back to, uh, I like archery hunters because guys that are coming up with a bow are generally not doing it to collect a trophy. They're doing it for the experience. And they've gen- typically spent more time getting into shape and also with their equipment. Yeah. And uh, Jake said he had, he's funny because it, it, small world, right? I did the podcast with Jake and I wanted to book a goat hunt and, and kill one with, I've killed one with compound, but I want to kill one for recurve. And I was like, so dude, should I, should I try to book with this guy? And, uh, he's like, man, unbelievable, huh? And he, he went on the whole, you know, I I mean, not pumping your tires, but he pumped your tires up pretty damn good. And I was like, all right, I'll get a hold of you later and get the info. And out of happenstance perusing, you know, the social media, I think your guy sent me a message, just said, Hey, what's up, man. If you're interested in a goat hunt, he listens to the podcast. Right. He said, check out, you know, the, you know, check us out. And I looked and sure shit, there was Jake. And I was like, what a small world, you know? Right. Um, but Jake had said he had three or four opportunities and it was an actual hunt. You know, he wasn't shooting, 
you, you can hunt in areas where they're kind of tame goats and other areas, you you know, they're, it's a hunt and you guys backpack in. He said, man, it was everything I'd hoped a, a hunt would be, uh, which, you know, says a lot now with, um, you know, I had talked with you a little bit about possibly doing a combo hunt, uh, brown bear and goat. Uh, you guys can do that then it sounds like. Um, yeah, we can. We've got, we've got areas where you can actually hunt the goats and brown bears out of the same camp. Um, unfortunately those areas, there's also wolves that are occupy them and, uh, hunting goats that are dealing with wolves all winter long is a lot different than hunting goats that aren't, you know, our areas in Western Prince William Sound, um, do not have any wolves. And so the goats are just a little more lackadaisical and, you know, you just notice the difference that the, you know, the ones where they, they're used to watching for a wolf, they are a lot tougher at an archery hunt in those areas. Not to say that it wouldn't happen. Uh, it, it would be a lot more difficult than the, the areas where we typically take them with bows over there where they're not chased by wolves. Gotcha. So what, um, I mean, what are some of the, the craziest shit you've had happen since you've been up there where you look back and you're like, what, any of them pop out? Cause I always like hearing these stories. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll, I'll embarrass myself <laughs> here a little bit. Um, I was, and this is actually when I was assistant guide working for another guy and we had flown out to a, a spot. Um, so this was in the nineties. Uh, yeah, this was golly, 90. Probably 93. So I was like 16, 17. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we were, uh, we were hunting uh, caribou and, and uh, brown bears and uh, grizzlies, but that they, it was close enough to the coast here classified as brown bears there. And so the, the hunter I had, it killed a really nice caribou, and we were up on this hill glassing, and there was no trees out where we were at. It was just brush. And we're looking, and we were seeing bears, and we put a couple of stalks on some different bears and he passed on them. And finally I'm glassing out across this and I see this silver tip, beautiful, uh, grizzly bear kind of ambling across and pointed out and the guy's looking at it. He's like, Oh man, that is a nice bear. And, you know, you can just tell the way they move, you know, a big bear just moves very deliberate and very slow. And so this, this bear moves into this patch of brush and I figured, man, you know, we watch and watch, and never came out. It's like, I think we can go after that. And so we take off off this hill to get this bear. And I don't know, I guess I'm thinking it's, a, you know, a mile out there or a little bit further. And we had to cross this little gully in this creek, and we jump over there, and we get across it. And all of a sudden, this patch of brush that I figured was about eight feet high, you know, maybe alders was not. It was like a patch of willows. And I'm like, oh, this is not right. <laughs> And the guy was kind of doing the same thing. It's like, hmm, this is not big enough. And of course, we did not travel nearly as far as we thought it was. But there was just no perspective as we're looking across. And uh, anyway, I said, why don't you sit over here and I'm going to circle up wind of this and we'll get this bear busted out of here. And of course, it wound up being a porcupine. And uh, (laughs) ever since then, I was like, you know what? Before you open your mouth, just watch and pay a lot of attention. But, you know, you get it set in your head. And again... The whole thing was just, you know, I couldn't tell if I was looking a half mile away or a mile and a half and everything looked right. But yeah, that, that was a pretty humbling experience. And we both just kind of looked at each other and nodded and said, yeah, we'll just be quiet about this. <laughs> oh Lord. Have, uh, have, have you had any like, um, I mean, I know you guys get some crazy storms, any like just, uh, holy shit storms that have dropped in on you guys that are, uh above and beyond what you can normally handle when you're on the mountain? Um, typically not on the mountain because we, if we're going to get a bad storm, we don't go up there. We got good forecasts. We got satellite phones. And so we're always keyed in and it's like, Hey, this is a big, big one that's coming in. Let's not get up into spike camp until after it blows out. But, uh, yeah, we definitely have had some horrendous storms, but you know, we've, and it tests your gear and you find out this is the stuff that works and this is the stuff that doesn't work. Um, so yeah, you, uh, you lay there, you think that it's going to blow you right off the mountain, but you know, in the morning when it lays down and everything's good, and <laughs> we've, we've not lost anyone yet. You get, you guys get weathered out. I'd imagine fairly frequently, um, you know, at certain times of the year where you'll lose a day or two on the hunt, I would guess. For sure. And especially September, where we're doing most of our hunting, it's the, it's the rainiest month of the year, the most storms, and, you know, you just learn to deal with it. And um, I guess over all the years, we've only had 
two two hunts, which meaning two blocks of time that were completely weathered out where the guys didn't even get an opportunity. But other than that, we always make it work. And usually a, a mountain goat hunt is a one or a two day thing. Um, we book them for six days and that's mainly just because you've got a few days in there to, to, uh, deal with the weather and, and roll with those punches, you know? Gotcha. Do you, what's your success rate up there on goats? Um, overall success is 90%. You know, I think I actually did the math. It was like 90, 90.2%. Um, archery success is uh, 65%. Now, and is that opportunities Cause that, or is that taking a goat that's home? That's harvest, yeah. So what's what's the opportunity? As coarse as this is, I hardly ever pay attention to the harvest as much as I do the opportunity because if you hand them the opportunity and they suck, it's not your fault. What's your opportunities, would you say, close up or upwards of 90, high 90%? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to think back on the hunts where a guy just absolutely did not have any opportunity. And other than, like I said, the hunts that were completely weathered out, um, well, everybody's going to have opportunity. Um, and I don't consider just one, one chance and one shot, you know, is your opportunity. It's multiple opportunities. Um, and uh, so, uh, yeah, opportunity-wise, and I guess going back on the overall success, you know, quite often we get our archers that come up and they chase the goats around for two or three days. And even that, as that's not working out, you know, you can still shoot them with a rifle. And so the guide's always got his rifle or the hunter can bring up a rifle also. And so that's why a lot of these guys that started out being archers um, turn into rifle hunters and they do get their goats. And that's why our overall success rate or harvest rate is higher than just the archery success rate. Right. No, that makes perfect sense. Now, what, what, um, like shot distance wise, um, you know, these are just questions that I know you're going to get asked anyway, and I will, um, what, you know, shot distance for archer, obviously, you know, if the archer is capable of not blowing the animal out while they're stalking and, you know, common sense wise, I mean, what is the average shot distance for, uh, for archery, would you say on the goats? Oh gosh, average is probably I would say twenty five yards, thirty maybe. I think Jake shot his at nineteen yards. Um, oh, he said it was designed where he was for archery, like it was perfect for it, for archery. And the thing is about the goat country, that's why it is. It's so well suited for archers. You know, for one, you're hunting an animal that's not like a, a bull elk or a white tailed deer or something that's you know really keyed up and watching. You know, they're pretty. Uh, nonchalant animals but the country there's always rocks there's gullies and there's hills and there's there is always a way to to approach them and and figure them out um and quite often you know the wind is not that big of a factor we have blown goats out because they've winded us but we've been sitting straight up wind from billies for you know two hours and they you know they can smell you but it just doesn't affect them so um it is – getting up into the country is a tough part, but once you're there, it's super conducive, you know, for bow hunting. Yeah, gotcha. Now, um, on your – I know it's much more difficult, obviously, for brown bear. Um, how many, I guess – well, back up a little. How many goat hunters are you guys taking a year and how many brown bear hunters are you taking a year? Uh, typically, we take maybe uh, four to five spring bear hunters and um, – and then we'll take two or maybe three fall bear hunters. And then, of course, you can only hunt goats in the fall. And we take anywhere from 10 to well, – I've got permits for, for 15 goats, but very seldom do we we hunt all those permits. You know, so 12, 12 goat hunters a year is pretty much our average. Yeah. could Now, can the, uh, the um, like, total goat numbers handle – uh, you, you know, taking out 15 a year um, or, I mean, do you do that just to, I guess, do you do that because of manpower, because um, 12 is just what you want to book or because you want to keep the numbers high or just a little bit of everything? Yeah, we mainly just to, um, the, our goat hunts are done on registration basis. So, you know, there's quotas that are set in each one of these areas. And once that quota is filled, that area is shut down. And so, of course, you know, there's better areas than others and we hunt our best ones first. But um, as these areas start getting shut down, you you know, you wind up moving to different spots and different spots. And uh, um, so, yeah, I don't ever want to get into the position where um, – 
you know, I've got the goat hunters booked, but all of the quotas are filled and, you know, you don't have anywhere to take your hunters. And so we always keep some of our areas in reserve that, you know, where we've got permits that we can do that. Um, but, uh, and the biggest part of it is just do not overhunt your country. We've got fantastic spots, um, have, I guess maybe it's been two different occasions where we've actually seen another hunter in the field. But other than that, we, we see no one. We're just, we're the only ones there and we'll go set up a camp, go up on a ridge, take a goat and leave it and then go back next year and do the same thing. So it's, it's hunted very sparingly. Yeah, no, that is, that's very, I mean, I'm, I'm knowing that I'm probably going to go hunt with you. I like hearing that. Um, now are you taking a, uh, I'm jumping around a bit. We'll get back to the the brown bear in a second. Do you take a super cub in then to the base camp uh, before you spike out? Is that generally what happens, or how's that work? Um, yeah, either a super cub or we do a lot of flying on uh, landing on floats. Mm-hmm. We're we're landing in saltwater bays and on lakes, and so uh, usually on our on the goat hunts, it's you know it's either a, a two hundred six or a beaver, mm-hmm. and so we can pack a lot of gear and and get what we need into into base camp. And then from there, you kind of decide, well, what what's the weather going to do? How long are we going to be up in spike camp? And, and that's when you take off up the mountain. But, uh, um, yeah, all of our access is, is with airplanes. Gotcha. And then the brown bear, how, what's your success rate, um, you know, both opportunity and harvest for, uh, for brown bear with rifle and bow? And I would imagine there's probably not that many people, you know, bow hunting the brown bear. I'm kind of curious what you have to say. Um, yeah, typically the, the first guy that I ever had, uh, kill a brown bear with a bow was Tom Miranda and he came up and he did it on, um, on film and, and made a, a pretty darn nice show out of it. But his research at that time was that most guys, uh, it's five trips to Alaska to kill one, uh, with a bow. And, uh, and that seems to be pretty true. So our archery success is, is super, super low. Um, Gosh, I you know I'd say probably less than fifteen percent. Um, rifle success is about sixty percent on the brown bears, you know, and that's actual harvest, you know, opportunity. Um, you know, again, comes down to the guy and the shooting ability and all of that. But uh, opportunity uh, success is is quite a bit higher. Gotcha. Are you? Uh, and I would imagine. I mean, you guys are probably seeing some bears on most trips it just may not you may be seeing sows or you're just not you you may not be seeing the dominant boar the boar you're wanting to take or is there some trips that you just don't see a bear at all it there are trips that you just don't see a bear at all um it just and it is so weather dependent um spring we do kill most of our bigger bears in the spring they are definitely uh they're moving the boars are you know searching for sows and covering a lot of country but um you know, when it's rainy and drizzly and just miserable weather, you know, they don't move around much. They don't get out. You know, you want, you want nicer days. You want, you know, a little bit of rain, but then some nice bright days. And those, that's when those bears just get fired up. But, uh, um, but then the reverse is true. And we had that situation this spring where we just had 10 days of bright, sunny, beautiful weather. And, you know, just prior to that, the bears were moving like crazy. And then that sunshine, you beat them down and they, you know, they were in the brush and you just, you couldn't chisel them out for nothing. So, uh, yeah, uh, if anything is going to affect your bear hunt, it's definitely going to be the weather. Gotcha. On the, um, the brown bears, what uh, are you guys size wise? What are you guys, just cause obviously those things are getting fat off of fish, but wh- how big of bears are you pulling out of there on average, obviously? Um, you know, we, of course, we're always just trying to, you know, shoot the, the big mature males. And so, um, I don't put a lot of faith or a lot of stock into hide measurements. You know, I've seen guys, how they measure their hides and the bowling they, ball hanging off one end. Yeah. They stretch and they, they pull this way and that way. Um, what you're going to do taxidermy wise on a bear, if you're going to do a life size mount and you don't split that bear, you know, all the way up to the chin like you would on a rug. Well, that affects the the square measurement of that bear immensely, you know, how far, what the distance is. And so um, as far as guys saying nine foot, um, 10 foot bears and all that, I just go by skull size because they all have to be measured. Fishing game is going to uh, measure measure and seal each one of the skulls. And so we're, we're trying to kill, you know, 26 inch skull bears or better. Um, 28 inch skull is a, is Boone and Crockett bear. And, you know, we've probably taken, 
I guess I want to say probably six, six, seven or no, probably seven of them over 28 inches over the years. Um, but uh, a great many of them over 27. You gotcha. know, and that's that, that's a that's a good, nice, solid bear. I don't know if you that, that video that Gus uh, uh, filmed for that bear hunt this fall. Um, yeah, you almost was, don't want to show anyone that because it gives them false hope. Because that was, I watched that video. I was like, Jesus! Oh, I know. <laughs> and it was just crazy. And there's, there's times you find circumstances like that that the bears are just super concentrated. But that is not what bear hunting in Alaska is typically like at all. You know, but but that was a 27 inch skull bear. Oh, gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I think the world record archery's 29 and change. I can't. I don't know. I think it is anyway. Um, Either way, I mean, I've, you know, been around um, brown bear some and mountain grizzlies, not obviously as nearly as much as you or whatever. And when you see a, a bear that has a 27 plus inch skull, it's truly like when you haven't seen one before, like seeing, you know, a, a Yeti riding on top of a unicorn um, across the parking lot. It's just a different size animal, like the kind of shit you see on a movie that just doesn't look real. The head is so big. It is, it is, um, well, I mean, truly, it's one of those deals where you've got shit running down both legs. You're just not prepared for it if you're not around them. Oh, absolutely. No, and, you know, you can tell, and the thing I always look at and tell the guides, you know, if at any point in time you have to question yourself, you better look again. You know, when you look at something, he's like, well, I think that looks like a pretty big bear. When you see a big bear and you know it's a big bear, you, there's no question in your mind. Your first your first uh, impression is, man, that's a big bear. And it doesn't change. But at any time as you're looking at that bear and it's like, well, I don't know. Well, maybe I better look at this. And it's like as soon as you question it, start looking again. And that's quite often when you're going to have a six-year-old. And it might be a nice male, but it's a, you know, it's going to be an eight-foot bear. And, you know, then you have to make the call as to, hey, do we pass this one up, wait for a bigger one? Or just depends on what's been, what what you've been seeing and what's been going on. Well, I can tell you with a recurve and me, we would be shooting that bear. Um, it is not easy with a recurve. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. It, uh, yeah. So on, uh, you know, just so people kind of know or whatever familiarization on, uh, you know, what you guys are doing back on like the goats, uh, age, uh, category wise, how, what, what age are you usually, get, uh, taking those goats out of, I mean, or how old are those goats usually that you're taking? Um, you know, the oldest I think that we ever had was 14. Which um, is fucking old. Oh, really old. <laughs> and, you know, unfortunately, once they get that old, they actually, um, their horns keep growing, but they've got that, that scent gland that's, that sits back behind their horns. And that has kind of a, a diminishing effect on the base. And so what it kind of erodes a lot of the, the size of the base. And so these these older longer goats lose a lot of their score because uh, their bases they just don't they don't get the circumference They'll lose measurement up to a quarter three-eighths of an inch from what i've been told is that oh, right absolutely yeah. for sure when you look at that scent gland um you, you know i from my experience you know eight nine years old is getting to that happy home where they're yes. that's where you're wanting to take them and and females do have scent glands i've argued with this with guys and they not as predominant as a, a billy obviously but i've i've had guys shoot nannies with scent glands i'm right. like oh, that is not what you want to go off of when you're you're shooting them but uh a 14 year old goat is is literally uh, that is crazy that you shot one that was that old was he good physical shape was he getting around all right um you know, the he was definitely in my, more mild country, yeah. And a lot of the the bigger ones that we have taken, you don't you don't get them right up there on the top of the mountains. They're down, they're down lower. We shot some of the biggest ones right out of our base camps, yeah. and that's just it. They do, you know. I think arthritis sets in, and you know they may have an, an injury or whatever, but you can tell they they move real slow and and all of that. But uh, as you said, that that you know six to nine year old class, that's when they're pretty much at their peak and and we you know again you, you don't know how big a goat is until you actually walk up there and get him but uh oh i fucked that up <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I, I i love hunting goats and i've been on a, a bunch of hunts but not i you know you still learn and, and it, when in doubt i text as horrible as this is i'll text photos through the spotter to a buddy to uh, when i say a buddy the lancasters or brian martin and a couple other buddies to say hey Am I seeing what, are you seeing what I'm seeing or, or, you know, vice versa, just because, 
you know, with a goat, um, for the most part here in Colorado, you draw a goat tag, not everyone, but it's white and fluffy. It's, it's probably going to die, right? There's not always, um, you know, but you get to where you're hunting a more mature, uh, you know, large goat got better pipes kind of go off of, um, you know, I, when I give guys advice, I'm like, if it looks like you want to take it home and give it to your daughter, it's young, got a big horse face. That's kind of, I start there. Yep. I look at the bases and I'm, you know, kind of compare it to the eyeballs. Does it have real, you know, the, the scent glands and, and then does it have a real suede back? Uh, you know, and I kind of go over things like that, but you're an expert. What are you usually looking at when you look at those goats, when you're picking them apart? Um, I mean, the nanny billy thing, I know a lot of, we may talk about that in a minute or go ahead and, and lay that out as well. Telling the difference between a nanny and a billy, um, which a lot of people, you know, starting out have troubles with because you just don't see them. It's white and fluffy. It's got some black horns. Hey, it's a goat. What do you kind of, what if you're going to give advice, what would it be as far as telling the difference as far as the age as well? Um, well, first of all, you know, it, it when you're sitting there holding the horns or whatever in your hands, it is so obvious. It's when you're at 400 yards through the spot and scope and particularly looking at a single goat. You know, if you've got three or four or five there and you can kind of compare size and, and everything together, um, it's simple. But every time we've shot a small one or accidentally shot a nanny, it's always when they were just by themselves. And you're looking at this and that and um, the horn characteristics are, of course, vastly different. But, you know, we have seen nannies that have had sweeping, you know, horns that do, that are not typical nanny horns. And so there is just so much to it. But um, as far as the size and how you look at it, it, you know, it's like a dog or anything. The face, the head tells you the story. An old one is like said, it's a, it's a, it's like an old uh, horse or something. You can just tell that Roman nose and all. And uh, the younger they are, of course, the cuter they are. And um, you know, you can have a four-year-old goat with nine-inch horns, and he looks like a really, really nice goat because oh, we horn, screwed that up. Oh yeah, yeah you know, you got a hundred short face looks make the horn look bigger. Hundred eighty-pound goat with nine-inch horns, and he looks like a toad. But then you walk up to him, and it's like, oh man, you know, you wanna you wanna kill something that's 300 pounds and you know a, a 300 pound eight-year-old goat with nine and a half inch horns does not look the, the horn per horn size per body size is not like said that would as you would see a nine inch goat on a nine inch horns on a four-year-old goat and it is difficult when they're by themselves that really uh you know frank went on his first mountain goat hunt with me this year we were helping a buddy out and you know when you get a I mean, where I have issues, you you get a four uh, or five, well, even three, three to five year old goat that is, you know, kind of the Samoan of the litter. He's just a big goat and he's got good genetics and you're looking, his face isn't that long and he's by himself and he's got a little bit of a Roman nose, but not much. So immediately, all right, that's got to be a big, you know, goat. And then that's really, when I say you're not in trouble, I mean, you're still shooting a cool goat, but put that next to a nine-year-old goat, it's literally like of my, I mean, it's it's comparing like a pit bull to a, you know, teacup Yorkie. They just look that much different. But when they're solo, Jesus, it's hard, man. I mean, it's, in it, and, you know, the other thing too, and I'm telling guys, because here you, we have nanny only tags uh, in oh, Colorado. Really? I'm like, dude, wait till it pisses. Yes. When in, <laughs> yes. When in doubt, wait till it pees. Yep. Um, which you you know, here uh, there's two tags. You got the nanny only tag, obviously, then the either sex tag. There's a, some units where it's archery only, but predominantly it's bow or gun. And you know, there's two different species here. When they say that, meaning there's a small bodied species and a larger bodied, and that'll screw you up too because you can have a small body species that's old. Uh, and then the larger body species that's younger and it's hard because they live in the same area. Right. And that'll screw you up too. But so when you um, like kind of talk about measuring and as time has gone on, I've learned about this or I agree with you. I'm still not correct very often. But when you talk about what are you looking for, what makes a goat score well? I don't think people realize mass is king, but kind of talk about that, what you're looking at on score wise. Um, you know, you're just looking, of course, the goat has 
the the least headgear of anything that you're going to hunt. So there's not a lot to pick from. A nine inch goat is a great goat. A 10 inch goat is probably going to make Boone and Crockett. So there's not a lot of variation. Um, every one that we shot that wound up being Boone and Crockett or just a nice big goat, you, you don't know that until you walk up to them and actually put a tape measure. So you can't you know, cover the whole mountain and look at all of your billies and then say, oh no, that's the biggest one. When they're all standing there next to each other, it's pretty obvious. And I, more than looking at the horns or whatever, I look at dominance between the goats, how they interact. If you got three of them together, you know, and one of them's kind of goes up and there's, it might be a goat bedded down. Another goat comes walking up to them and that goat lay, that's laying down gets up and leaves. And that other goat beds down in his bed. And it's like, hey, that's the king guy. That's the one you want to shoot. Um, body size um, is more of an indicator than than trying to look at the horns. And again, this is these are decisions you're making at you know three to five hundred yards through a spot and scope. And so it's not really that you know that tough, or it's not that easy. Um, I was just when you said not that tough, I'm like, well, it is for me. Uh, at oh that no, <laughs> it's incredibly tough, and that's it. You just look and you look and you look, and again, comes back to if at any point in time you question, is that goat really as big as I think it is? Well, you better look at him again and again, and maybe get a little bit closer and look at him that way. You yeah, know? and I, hunting with Bart, he said a couple times, you know, Brian would ask him, you know, we I don't know whatever distance we were, and. He looked back and be like, "How the hell would I know? We're a mile away." And he's yeah. like, "I don't, I don't, you know." And for me, um, I got to be sub four hundred to really pick it apart. And that's with a ninety five Swaro, you know. And I yes. still am like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, Nanny Billy is easy, but as far as like, uh, you know, size wise, and you can look at one. It's always nice to have a buddy, you know, to bounce it off of yes. and, and talk. But when you have a guy like me that's got just enough to I, I'm fairly good at judging and I'm fairly good at whatever, but I'm not hunting them like you guys are. And so when you're hunting them around, when you're hunting with guys that are around them all the time, it, it's, it's, uh, you could learn a lot, you know what I mean? And, and that, right. that was one thing that, um, you know, you mentioned that's important is just overall behavior when, when they're around on the mountain is another way to, to tell. And, uh, I, I don't, I'm enamored by them. It's, I like, I mean, I really like hunting them, but now, when you um you got you talked about gear, when you guys are going in, are you do you have uh wall tents at the base camp or like big or what are you guys running for for tents like uh, when you fly in? Um, typically, yeah, bigger tents. We've uh, used in the past uh, the Cabela's XWT, mm-hmm. which are excellent tents. They've discontinued them for whatever reason, which is disappointing because they they definitely we've had those things in hundred mile an hour winds and all that, and they've withstood it. Um, but yeah, they're you know they're comfortable and then army cots, and so you're not sleeping on the ground and you got a lantern to dry your clothes out. And, um, so yeah, that's pretty comfortable, but you're not of course going to carry that thing up the mountain. Once you go up there, then it's just, uh, and we use Hilleberg and quite a few different brands and all that. Just, you know, just good spike tents and, and get up there. And, um, the toughest part is just finding a good flat spot to set up a spike camp that's not full of water. You know, it's typically (laughs) going to be raining. So, um, but fortunately, you know, we've, we've done it. Most of our spike camps, we know where we're going and we know where we're going to set up and you know, there's, it's going to be, uh, you're going to be dry and you're going to be protected. Yeah. And that's one thing. Um, obviously I, I go with you guys cause I, I take photos at a, probably an annoying level for people. I, I take a lot of photographs and that is the only bad, that's the one thing with rain. I mean, I don't like rain to begin with, but it, it is hell and Jesus on camera gear. Um, but like, uh, you know, one of the kind of the, the cool things are as far as, uh, uh, where you guys are at or, or I don't know, telling the story or whatever, the terrain and the country there. And I haven't hardly seen it, right. I haven't, I haven't, you know, hung around on the Chugacha ton, but, the the terrain i mean i encourage people to one look at your guys's instagram page and you've got some of the trophies but tr- two just uh type in chugach mountain range and the the terrain is i mean it's the kind of area you want to go just to take photos of it's pretty pretty amazing country um i mean do you uh i are people enamored when they get there with the country is it every i mean is it one of those things where they're like wow it's even better than i thought 
Oh, absolutely. Until you they're know. stuck in a rainstorm. Uh, for sure. <laughs> it's, a, it's a double-edged sword. It is just so spectacular. You know, I, I don't know. I mentioned I grew up in Leadville. So, you know, the town sits at 10,000 feet and you've got 14,000-foot peaks um, all around. And so every direction you looked, there were just these towering mountains. And, um, you know, it's as mountainous as Colorado gets. And then going to Alaska... Um, it just takes it to a different level, you know, the ruggedness, the the steepness and, you know, mountains coming out of sea level and just jutting up 8,000 feet, you know, is, is just spectacular. And so there is just a raw, rugged uh, beauty to it. But at the same time, that makes it very difficult to, to get around. You know, you could cover so much more country down here in a day of hunting than you do up there. And again, the, the, the whole trick is knowing where you can go, knowing how to get up there and uh, get up there safely and get back down. Gotcha. Now, just for, you know, people tuning in that may, you know, potentially looking at booking a hunt now, just to get a little bit more info out so everybody kind of knows kind of the package you're eating probably more normal meals um at the base camp i would guess is that yeah typically you know um especially on bear hunts you know we do our bear hunts almost exclusively out of those kind of base camp hunts Mm -hmm. and so we'll uh um my wonderful wife cooks up all the meals beforehand and it's you know chicken (laughs) and mashed potatoes and all that and then we backpack the those and freeze them and so that's all set and you get back at the end of the day boil a pot of water and heat up your your dinner and it, you're eating a good home cooked meal, you know, within 20 minutes of being back. Um, but on the goat hunts and, and especially up in spike camp, it's all just exclusively mountain house freeze dried food. And then what do you do for like midday snacks, stuff like that? You know, we, we have, uh, typically we, we have some smoked salmon packs that we take, um, maybe some candy bars, fruit snacks, but you know, everybody just gets an assortment of, you know, candy bars, protein bars, whatever and you know it's not like we stop and make a sandwich or anything like that but it's it's enough to keep you going and uh um, so it's like any backpack hunt is what you should expect for sure yeah Yeah. and then on the crampons do people need uh like packing list wise gear list i would imagine guys need to bring the sleeping bag but you guys may handle the tent or whatever but what do you guys um what, what do you guys provide and what do people need on the goat hunt specifically on the goat hunts, mainly just like you said, their sleeping bag, um, their shooting equipment, whether it's a bow or a rifle, uh, their rain gear and clothes, you know, that they're going to wear. We've, we've got the tents. We've got everything for cooking, eating. We've got the climbing axes. we got the crampons, um, um, gators, you know. Some guys have their own that they like, but we've got plenty of gators for everybody to wear. So, uh, yeah, you don't have to bring up that much you know um we've got a ton of sleeping pads used to say some guys like inflatables some guys don't really care but so many of them have come up and when they go back it's like i don't want to take this back and so they just leave them with us and yeah and it's great but uh yeah we've got plenty of sleeping pads so nobody needs to bring that up either now are you cool if guys bring their own spotters and stuff like that or do you prefer to just let the the guide handle it if they want that's fine you know they ask us you'll find out once you start climbing up the mountain um, you pretty much, and you've done a lot of this stuff. You weight is a big deal. And, you know, why are we taking two spot and scopes up here? But, you know, if the guy wants to do it, um, he does typically most of the, most of our goat hunters don't bring their own spot and scope. You know, they'll bring their binoculars and you're doing your glassing. But when it comes down to really looking at your goat, everybody looks to one spot and scope. Gotcha. And do you guys now, like, uh, do you, are, are you opposed to, let's say, if a guy wants to bring a buddy for them to be in the same camp and do more of a, a you know, two-on-one, one guide, two hunters? Or do you try to split everyone up where it's one guide, one hunter? Um, I mean, what – what? because I'm going to get asked this, and I even asked you the question, will you do where two guys hunt and there's one guide and then maybe lengthen that hunt a little bit um, since it's one guide, two hunters or – how do you work that, and are you a little flexible on that, um, you know, as far as the scheduling goes? Um, we typically set up one guide, one packer, and one hunter. Um, but we do quite often get to, you know, two guys, a father and a son, or two buddies. They want to hunt together, and it's a completely doable stuff uh, uh, completely doable hunt quite often these guys will you know shoot two billies out of the same bunch and they got pictures of of them sitting right next to each other um but 
even at that, I don't typically do a two-on-one just because the guide gets pretty much buried with that. And, you know, my guys are committed for the season or, or whatever. You know, if if I if I do a two-on-one, I'm basically taking a, a guide out of the picture, you know, so I'm trying to keep my guys busy for the full time. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, no. If if it's two buddies who want to hunt together, father and son want to come up, or even non-hunters, we we could do that. But usually, if if you come up by yourself, you're going to be in your camp by yourself with uh, with no one else there. Gotcha. And then are the hunts? How long are they for the for the goat? Um, they're six day hunts. You know, we, um, six days on the mountain. Six then. days hunting days. Yeah, it's a you know, of course, another day in and day out on each end. Gotcha. And then uh, do you have to get, uh, I'm sure, a charter flight as well? Is that included in the price package you guys offer, or do you have to pay for the charter as well? It's an additional charge, an $1,100 um, charter fee. But that covers, and sometimes we go into a spot, and for whatever reason, weather, or uh, maybe it's rained in a, in a river that we need to cross, we can't cross, we have to relocate, and we'll do that. But uh, yeah, your charter fee is, is a one-time thing, and whether we have to move you or not, we take care of that. Gotcha. So on the um, black bear, I would imagine um, I personally can't handle another black bear in the office. They're going to start blowing out the door. But you you guys, um, I would think, have some black bears running around the base camps as well. But, uh, you know, that's just a guess. Oh, for sure. And actually more up in the spike camp. By the time we're hunting goats, the, the bears are pretty much pulled off the fish and the, you know, the salmon berries and stuff, they're on the lower, lower levels, but they're right up there with the goats eating those low bush blueberries. And, um, quite often we're seeing as many black bears as we're seeing goats. And so, yeah, it's a very doable thing. And, uh, we charge a $2,500 trophy fee. You know, if a guy wants to uh, shoot a black bear, you know, of course he has to have it, the tag before that. The tag's um, relatively inexpensive, isn't it? Yeah, 400 and 450 bucks. Yeah, gotcha. Now, what kind of are you, black bears are you guys putting on the ground size-wise? Um, you know, usually 18 to 19-inch skulls. You know, as I would say pretty much average. Uh, biggest one we've ever taken was just under 20, uh, nine, uh, 20 and – I think 15, 16, 21, of course, being Boone and Crockett, but we've, we've yet to take one that big. We get some really nice, beautiful bears, but they do not get that big skull that, that you find in other spots. So, Well, like you talked about with, um, you know, depending upon what you're looking for, some guys aren't going to care how big the skull is if the, the hide's good and it's decently long, de- you know, decent-sized bear because um, people are looking at the hide more than they are the the skull, if that makes any sense, you know, right. depending upon what you're going to, you know, do with it. But, I mean, in a 19-inch black bear is a pretty book. I mean, it's a good bear. Um, for sure. Yeah, and with the the black bear or whatever, one of the hardest things you find is for him not to be rubbed, you know, obviously at certain times of the year. And it sounds like you guys don't really have that issue too much. Oh, especially on the goat hunts. You know, we're hunting them in September and, and October and they're just getting ready to go into hibernation, but they are as fat as they're going to be all year. And they are just beautiful and furred out. Are they pretty, um, oh, is pretty feasible as far as archery hunting goes, uh, as stockable when you see them up in that high country sometimes? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's quite similar to the goats. You know, they're in a little gully and there is definitely the terrain that the thing about the bears, especially with the, with the bulls, they always seem to be on the move. You know, they're looking for more berry patches. And so you wind up, you wind up moving a lot more trying to catch up to them versus a goat that you might watch and then finally gets bedded down somewhere where you can put a stock on them. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah, their their nose is on the ground and they're looking for berries and um they're they're very doable yeah i would I talk at my my uh, wife who he um she's just getting into all this you know like she mm-hmm. and she's not still not hunting but she's definitely addicted to backpacking and she loves learning about it and i was trying to explain to her how some animals plant and just like a goat it's great they park and the little bastards don't move for a long time and you know, bears maybe more in the spring when they're just lollygagging, you know, trying to wake up and get the butt plug out and eat grass. Man, when they're looking for berries, it's like a moose in the rut sometimes. Little fuckers just won't stop. Absolutely. And, and I was telling I'm like, it's like they don't sleep. And, you know, kind of explaining and, and helping her learn how all this, you know, how everything works, right? Like, you know, stalking wise, like a, a sheep or a goat or a deer, you're 
you're waiting for it to bed and right. uh, an elk you want people want to call it in where i wish i could just shoot everything in its bed it's a lot simpler but elk you're calling it in and you're hunting it for the you know because it's screaming and then you know with with black bears um you know it's kind of one of those animals it, it it's almost in some ways a creature of opportunity especially here in colorado they've screwed things up so much you only have a fall season you're not hunting them in the spring when you're in the fall, you're already hunting elk, and it's just, oh, a bear pops up, and they right. shoot it. The one thing nice in the high country, at least you could look at the damn thing for a while and see what it, you know, size it up a bit. Um, now, are you guys, like, do you get grizzly or brown bears up that high? Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, especially in the spring, you know, the bears are, are up high. We don't... Um, uh, typically on the goat hunts, as I mentioned, there's not there's only a couple areas where you you're gonna even see a brown bear in the same camp that you're hunting a goat. Um, but um, in our in the spring when we're doing the brown bear and black bear hunts, and we do the hunts together, you know, your brown bear hunt includes a black bear, and there's no trophy fee on a on a black bear on, on the brown bear hunts. Um, but yeah, you can see the two basically side by side you know they're they're up high and uh, uh eating on the grass or they're down low following the streams but again the big males are on the prowl they're they're looking for a for a receptive female for sure right now um this is totally off the subject but just for listeners who don't understand this um you know here in colorado the number one killer of uh from what i understand the number one killer of uh of cubs is boars because they want to breed again um, right you want to explain how to people listening in how that works as far as you know once the boar wants to breed if he eats the the kids he gets to do it again you want to kind of explain the dynamic of that <laughs> well of course i've i've not observed this myself but as it's been explained to me and i, and I agree with it so the uh, a sow with cubs that's lactating and, and nursing those cubs, she will not go into heat and she, you know, will not be receptive to a, a boar. But if those cubs die, um, something to do with her system w with the lactation and all that, um, not being, you know, the cubs are no longer uh, drinking the milk, it forces her to go back into um, estrus or back into heat. And then she's she's receptive to a male. It seems like a, a, a kind of a dangerous way to try to get a piece of ass, but uh, <laughs> I guess if it works, it works, you know. I, I saw it once with the black bear. I saw it once, uh, Billy Moles, he's an Alaskan guy. Oh, yeah. uh, he had a video, and then there was a recent one, um, guy up in B.C. that uh, you can see the bear going to town with it's a cub he's eating it and you know I, i'm pretty desensitized there's not a whole lot bothering me but you know you you know humans kind of humanize cubs anyway right right um you know but they also humanize all bears so then when you're humanize a cub and then you see daddy stepping on its head ripping its back leg off that'll wake you up yeah I mean, <laughs> oh for sure uh, we, we were in the bells when i saw it and i was like trying to figure you know i didn't put two and two together initially and uh I, I did when he got a hold of that cub. I was like, oh, Jesus, that's gruesome. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but are your numbers, um, you know, as, where would you rate, I guess, your numbers as far as brown bear and black bear wise in the sense of, um, you know, throughout Alaska or at least the, you know, the more southern part? Are your numbers pretty good where you're at, um, you know, year to year? Um, they're getting better. You know, we had uh, in the year, winter of 2012 is what they called snowpocalypse there in Cordova. And we we had over 30, I think 33 feet of snow. And so it was just horrendous. Um, and But we hunted bears, you know, that spring and we did really well and we killed some really nice bears, but the snow depth was, was incredible. Um, ever since then, it, there's been a, what they call the blob or whatever, this mass of incredibly warm ocean water that has been drifting up into the Gulf. And so uh, instead of snowing, we've got a lot more rain in, uh, in the wintertime. And with that rain, we've seen a big decre decrease in the numbers of bears. Um, a lot of people were attributing that to the uh, snowpocalypse, and they're just saying that's that was the bad winter and that killed all the bears. And I disagree with that. Like I said, we for two years after that we had really good uh, bear hunting and good spring seasons, but the the warmer, wet weather seemed to really 
I don't know that the Bears just got displaced, but it wasn't just us. You know, Kodiak was, the numbers were way down there, same on the peninsula and all. Um, that situation has definitely has changed. And, you know, we've been, last two years, we've definitely had more normal winners. And, and this was one of our best barriers that we've had in a long time here this last year. Gotcha. Now, what about, uh, it sounds like you guys have goats coming out of your ass, which is a good problem to have for someone listening and wanting to book a goat hunt. Have you had pretty much consistent good seasons throughout for for goat? For sure, you know, and so the same uh, the same circumstances that were detrimental, I think, to the bears were very uh, beneficial to the goats and the moose and the deer and everything. Um, Fishing game figured that we lost about eighty percent of our deer in that winter of of two thousand twelve, and since then the numbers have bounced back and they're as high as they've ever been and so um yeah it's been good for it's been good for all the all the uh, i guess prey species or the ungulate species you know yeah and on because i kind of skipped off of that your your moose and your your blacktail hunts let's talk a little bit about those um so the moose hunts i i only hunt one area it's a bering river area and for a non-resident it's a drawing uh, tag. There's only five tags available, so it's pretty hard to draw the tag. Um, typically, I just take the uh, whatever brown bear hunters we have booked for that fall, have them put in for the tag, and then if they draw the moose tag, then we go and we hunt the moose on a trophy fee basis. Um, we do some black the blacktail hunts out on the islands, either Hinchinbrook or Montague Island, and that's typically um, an addition to a, a brown bear hunt or something. Now, Although, so, somebody wanted to just book blacktail, could they? Um, yeah, they could. And uh, we've done that in the past. Typically two or maybe three buddies coming up together um, and a pretty reasonable deal. Um, but we try to do those in August, you know, and it's not your, what you t- consider your typical blacktail hunt. Quite often the deer are still in velvet, but all those bucks are just like a muley buck and all that. They're sitting on tops of the mountains and uh, they are just fat and lazy and super easy to find and, and actually pretty darn easy to hunt. So is that pretty conducive to either compound or traditional then it sounds? Yeah, it is. Yep. And then what's um, that that hunt? Just the reason I ask, sometimes it's a matter of filling in schedules, right? Does that start August 1st? Yeah, it does. Yes. And, 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 and the hunting, that's when it's pretty good as far as spot and stock when they're bedded? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, what's that usually cost? I mean, not you don't have to give exact numbers, but if you wanted to bring three or four buddies up, what's it? What do you? And you can shoot three of them, can you? Uh, you can shoot. Uh, I think non-residents is four. Jesus is what it is, and that um, uh, one hundred and seventy-five dollar tag actually that that probably went up with the big price jump that we had in twenty seventeen. Um, but yeah, usually if, you know if three guys want to come up, it's about forty-five hundred dollars a person. Mm. Um, and quite often we'll uh, we will use a boat on that hunt too. So we get out there so we we can cover some country and use a boat as a base camp. And how long is that that hunt? Um, typically like a goat hunt, six six hunting days. Gotcha. And then that one does that require a charter flight as well? Usually not. Okay. You know, it's just it's just going out with the boat. Gotcha. And I mean, I only bring that up because you know you get a lot of guys. Um, that um, you know, forty fun at five hundred dollars for most people. If they know ahead of time, they can save that. And it is kind of hard to find a hunt for three to four guys that has good odds or good numbers, where everybody has a good chance of of getting opportunities, and also not crush your normal big game season. And August first is a perfect time for that because you're not even hunting antelope on August first, so. Oh yeah, no, it's a, it's a nice little filler. I used to do doll sheep hunts. And so that kind of, you know, kept me out of that time of year for doing the blacktail hunts, but the area I was hunting sheep went to a drawing and it's uh, virtually impossible to draw a tag. So I've, you know, switched to do more of the, trying to do more blacktail hunts in that month. Gotcha. So, well, cool, man. I, um, I don't want to pester you with too many more questions. You got anything you want to lay out there before we hop off here? Um, not really just that, you know, I'm kind of a new guy to this social media stuff. I, I do have to thank Gus Carr, you know, he's the, he's the guy that's kind of been, uh, getting me introduced to all this and, and making this, uh, this stuff work. But, uh, yeah, we've just, we've been running a pretty good business for a lot of years and just trying to find different avenues and figure out how to, how to reach more hunters, you know? Gotcha. Well, it's uh, it's Lonesome Dove Outfitters underscore AK on Instagram. So everybody hop on there and uh, follow along. Uh, you can also see some of the, you know, the different trophies, obviously, on the, the photos on, on Instagram. And then 
the um I guess uh, do you have a website? I forgot to ask you that. Oh yeah, for sure. And that's you know that has been my main marketing point in the past. But um, yeah, the website is I do hunt ak dot com. Okay. And so um, and there's a ton of pictures and all kinds of information on on that. So that's that's a good place to get started. Now, are you brave enough to give out your your phone number or just hop on the website? Oh, for sure. No, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess the best number for me is my cell phone because I do travel quite a bit, and that is nine zero seven two five three three seven one eight. But we do have a toll free number, which is eight eight eight. Three eight eight three six eight three, and so you can reach reach us that way. There's just a ton of way to tons of ways to get reached this uh, the, in this day. Yeah, no, no kidding. You about don't need an eight hundred anymore with cell phone numbers Not for sure. <laughs> but I, uh, I'm planning on booking with you guys in nineteen. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I can't say off experience with you guys, but I can say I trust Jake Downs, and and he had. He said it was the best hunt of his life, um, you know. So that set goes to that says something because Jake has killed a pile of animals, and he just he was like, man, I wish I could do it every year. It's just unbelievable, and and he saved up. Um, you know, J- Jake's not inherently wealthy. You know, he's a blue collar guy like most of us. And you, uh, before I forget, you do allow payments where a guy can pay off for one, two, three years until um, he can afford the hunt. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, you know, we got a very flexible payment plan and, um, you know, and a pretty liberal um, cancellation policy too. you know, some uh, guys book and they've got a couple of payments in and then, you know, something happens. We have guys that have been in car accidents and been physically unable to do the hunt. And so, um, you know, I'll typically just, uh, if I can rebook that hunt, I'll refund their money or else, you know, we wind up selling that as a cancellation hunt too. Um, gotcha. but yeah, we're, we're pretty flexible with the whole thing. Cool. Well, man, I really appreciate you, uh, coming on here and everybody hop, like I said, hop on, follow the Instagram page, lonesome dumb outfitters underscore AK or the website again is, is I do hunt ak.com. That's catchy. And, uh, Dennis, what, what was your phone number? Did you, did I miss that? Did you give it um, out? Yeah. Phone number 907-253-3718. All right. Well, man, I appreciate you hopping on here and looking forward to uh, to hunting with you here in 2019. Okay. Very good. No, thanks for the opportunity. Yep. No problem.